live from the 2019 RMA International Conference at the RAA Resort Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas. It's time now for a special episode of the Capital Club Radio Show, broadcasting on the Pro Business Channel Networks. This show made possible in part by Flock Specialty Finance. And now, here's your host, Chairman and CEO of Flock Specialty Finance, Michael Flock. Good afternoon. Today, we're really honored to have one of the new leaders of the debt buying and collections industry, the president-elect of Receivables Management Association, RMA, formerly known as the Debt Buying Association, or DBA. Her name is Marion Sangalang. Marion is currently vice president of the bureaus, a master servicer and debt buyer. She's responsible for the management of data analysis and technology systems for the bureaus. Over 30 years in this industry, she has helped develop proprietary tools, including net present value modeling and data management systems. In 2013, she received the Ambassador's Award for her work with Interactive Intelligence on the Latitude Software Suite. She's currently chair of the RMA International State Legislative Committee, and after about four years on the RMA board, she is now its new president. And we are honored that this is her first interview that she's granted to anyone uh, since her election as president. Marianne, you've had a very, very interesting journey. And I think it's probably safe to say that it's rare for any one of us to set out intentionally to get into collections and debt buying. I don't think we ever plan on that. Also, you know, you started out, I think you said, in South Carolina. You now reside in Chicago. Um, so you've moved around uh, career-wise, geographically. You're now at the bureaus. Uh, I think you told me maybe your first experience with debt collection was with Hardee's. Is that right? Well, I wasn't a debt collector with Hardee's. I actually just worked Excuse at me, Hardee's. Bill collector. I wasn't in bill collections at Hardee's. Hardee's um, actually worked at the drive-thru. So that was my first job and didn't become involved in the debt collection or bill collection until probably a year later. Okay. And so, yes, first job as being a bill collector was at Amcall Systems in Columbia, South Carolina. Okay, I'm sorry. That's okay. Yeah. And how did you move from Hardee's to Amcall? Um, Hardee's didn't pay the bills. And so, <laughs> okay. And so, I, I was a single parent, and okay. so I was looking for something that I could do that would pay the bills. Right. And being a bill collector gave me an opportunity to do that. I had no idea what a bill collector was. Right. And once I got involved, I was provided an opportunity by the owner of the company, whose name was Jay Rickman. Right. Um, he and his sons, mm-hmm. who also run the business now, worked with me, taught me how to be a bill collector, right. um, taught me how to set up budgets, and it not only helped me in my job, but it also helped me uh-huh. profession- or personally. Right. I was 18 years old, 19 years old, and so I learned about credit. I learned about um, credit reporting. Mm-hmm. I learned about credit scores. I learned about all things on how to manage my own finances, which was amazing. They should mm-hmm. teach that in school. They did not then. And I think you mentioned that mentors were very important to you throughout your career, and you had three. I think Jay was one. That's correct. And the other one was? Well, I I ended up moving to Illinois in 1993, and I went to work for a company in Peoria by the name of Credit Bureau Accounts. And the general manager of that agency at the time, his name was Michael Burroughs. And um, I still consider Michael a a mentor today. Um, 
I don't know if I can say who he is or what he does now, but mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Michael is involved in our industry and mm-hmm. I'm honored that he participates in this conference and has been coming for the last couple of years with his current employer. Mm-hmm. And again, he taught me about a whole new side of debt collection where litigation was an opportunity to help recover funds for your clients, which I wasn't aware of in South Carolina because we didn't do that. So I learned that facet of it. He also worked with me and mentored me to a point where I became a general manager of their company. Right. And they transferred me to Jacksonville, Springfield area of Illinois. Our biggest client was the Illinois Department of Revenue. Mm-hmm. And so I learned about litigation. I was in court every Wednesday. I was signing affidavits. I learned all about how that worked, which was, again, a whole different side of debt collection I hadn't been exposed to before. So I was very thankful for that because it helped me progress to where I am today. And I've been with the bureaus now for, it'll be 24 years in August. And uh, Michael Slotke, who is our CEO of the bureaus, again, another wonderful mentor, someone who has allowed me opportunities that I would have never dreamed. Example, I have um, become um, well-versed and schooled in SQL. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I do manage our SQL database. I manage our infrastructure, hardware, software, um, all data analysis, all of that. So, uh, coming from being a bill collector to doing what I'm doing today, it's just amazing. And I'm very thankful. You know, I've, I've, again, the people that I've had along the way that mentored me, I think about them daily because without them, I wouldn't be where I am today. So coaching and personal development for you personally made a huge difference. It wasn't, yes, it wasn't just that, however, it was the fact that they believed in me. Okay. They gave me the opportunities and said, I know you have the ability, I know you can do it, so go do it. Right. And I did. Uh And, you know, there were things that were challenging. When I was feeling challenged or stressed or pressured, I would talk with my mentors and they were very helpful. They were very um, encouraging. And that was everything for me. It helped me get to where I am today. On technology and information systems, though, I mean, I know Michael, he's a great leader, done really well, but he didn't teach you SQL. Nope. <laughs> so help help our listeners understand uh, how you learn technology without, I mean, because you don't have a degree in technology. Did, did you just teach yourself? How did you learn about SQL and systems that are now so important to the world of debt buying? Well, I was in a management role at the bureaus, and this was 2000 and one and we had an old dos based system of record at that time and we knew we needed to come into a new world of technology and so i was tasked with finding it and in the process of finding it i had to know what it was all about so when we determined the system of record we were going to use which was latitude um at the time it was global software systems Mm -hmm. it's been sold a couple of times since but um to understand it well, I had to understand the data that was being put into the system, which I had been trained on and learned on my own access, which is in its own right as a database. And so by understanding databases and joining things within inside of an access database, mm-hmm. it was um, a gradual move forward to go to a SQL. SQL okay. is like a, a, it's a access database on steroids. It's just much bigger. 
And so with that knowledge and learning and choosing of the system of record, I went to a Microsoft SQL class. Okay. And so it was a week-long class, learning and training and um, becoming certified in Transact SQL, understanding how right. to manipulate the data and export it out for the use that we needed. And so, again, Michael simply gave me the opportunity and believed that I had the ability and mm-hmm. It was amazing, an amazing opportunity, and is so beneficial in what I do today. And so what you do today in technology uh, uses this, I guess, education that you got thanks to Michael's resources and his belief in you. How, how is this changing the way the bureaus may be buying debt or collecting debt? How I know you've said you develop proprietary tools. Can you comment a little bit more in depth on those tools and how it is helping improve the efficiencies or returns for you as a debt buyer? Somewhat, yes. Quite honestly, it it was the proprietary tools that we were creating were long before Latitude and long before my SQL experience. Um, Aristotle Singling worked to develop programs internally that are still, with some tweaking along the years and with changes that have been made, the tools that we use to analyze portfolios, those were initially all created using access and exporting data from that old DOS-based system that I mentioned. The SQL knowledge allows us with a much easier way to Uh just export the data, linking the information using access. And I'm trying not to use a bunch of of crazy terms, technical terms, but the reality is that SQL is an open database architecture. Mm -hmm. It simply allows us better access to the data that we have Mm -hmm. and allows us the ability to manipulate it and analyze what's there and make decisions based on what we see. So the quality of the decision-making, the underwriting, Mm -hmm. has improved as a result of these new Absolutely. Easier. Again, am I going to say that it's easier to price a portfolio? No, it's never mm-hmm. that easy. But the reality mm-hmm. is that mm-hmm. we have better and better access to our data. Okay. And so are the systems then that you use at the bureaus uh, unique to the bureaus? Or are you also using industry packages to... Well, Latitude's an industry package right. um, right. program. However, the way we use it is very different than many of its other users. You know, our, our biggest component of what Latitude offers is a program called AIM, which mm-hmm. is Agency Interface right. Management, right. which allows us to systemically create, upload, download uh, placement files to our agencies and law firms, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But as for analyzing of the data, the proprietary things, those are um, not prepackaged. Mm-hmm. No one else would have them. They're, mm-hmm. they're ours. We created them, mm-hmm. and they work for us, and, you know, we review and, and make changes as needed depending on the market and how things are going, but we still use them and we are very happy with what we've got. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so how do you plan to build on this then in 19 and 20 and beyond? Build on it. Oh, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How do you know? You know, it, it really just depends on right. how, what you have is performing, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. how things are going in the market, mm-hmm. what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Really, what's going to happen in March when the rules come down? The reality is there's going to be a lot of, mm-hmm. potentially a lot of changes that will happen then. You don't know. Mm-hmm. So will these tools help you, though, with the regulatory compliance uh, as you see it in the future? Will our proprietary tools help us with the regulatory Well, not compliance? necessarily proprietary, but information technology in terms of how oh, you manage yeah. your data now. It's, is it, you know, we think you know, that it probably should make it easier to clean your data, make it more consistent. 
Absolutely. We're always looking for, again, any portfolio that comes into the bureaus, we automatically review. We're always checking for bad data, perceived bad data, you know, validating social security numbers, checking with addresses as as best as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. But that's an ongoing, every single month kind of thing. I mean, you're always validating information. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Let's step back a second now. We've we've talked about kind of your your career journey from Hardee's to the yeah. bureaus. And uh, at the very beginning, you mentioned that you're a single parent. Mm-hmm. Um, how have you dealt with that in all this, this change from South Carolina to Chicago and going from Hardee's to now, you know, VP of bureaus and now president of RMA? As a single parent, and obviously mentoring from a professional standpoint, it's very important to you, but mentoring as a parent, has that been challenging, being a single parent? Being a single parent in this industry was very difficult. As a debt collector, a professional debt collector, you know, nights and weekends are required. So it was challenging at times because I couldn't be there. And, you know, the reality is that that's the choice that I made. I worked really hard, didn't want to be a bill collector forever, and, you know, wanted to be something different. I, I knew that there was more than just being a bill collector, but I was very good at doing that. And I took what I knew and was able to apply that into, again, the data side and mm-hmm. sales side. I did marketing at the bureaus. There's, I've done a lot of different types of, of positions, which helps me to be right. who I am today. I mean, right. is for my daughter, um, yes. You know, it was... Her first job was working at the bureaus when she was 16 years old. Um, She actually managed the media spreadsheet, documenting the media that was coming in and out from the issuers. And so that was her very first job. So she has a very good understanding of what our industry is about. And um, she still works remotely for us doing um, analysis and reporting for our director of outsourcing, Bill Sorgatz. And so she reports directly to him. It's not a full-time position for her any longer, but she does still do reporting for him um, because she's good at it Mm -hmm. and it works. But for me, the last thing I wanted was for her to – grow up and be a bill collector because the perception of, of, of a bill collector isn't always something that is like, oh, wow, that's awesome. You know, <laughs> that's really great. It's, yeah. it's like, wow, really? You call people to collect money? And, mm-hmm. and that while the stigma itself is hard to overcome, mm-hmm. the reality is that it's a profession and it is a needed profession. And she never collected debt. She, she was not that person, but there are so many other roles that she's done within the organization and she understands it. And it certainly did help her be financially responsible. Right. For sure. Because she learned from me and she learned from being, it's her first job. She saw Uh what was going Uh on in the organization within the bureau. So she gets it. Well, that's amazing. So you've been able to kind of integrate your personal and professional life with your daughter in some of these experiences and coaching her as well. So someday she'll probably say that my mom was my biggest mentor. She tells me that now, I think. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I'm going to say that, yes. Uh Uh-huh. how about your role as a woman? I mean, you've been in this industry a long time. Yes. And this, we know that the role of women has evolved a lot. Tell us about that. And by the way, do you think it's harder for a woman to collect debt than a man? And No, I actually think it's easier for a woman to collect debt. Because? Because 
I think that if it's <clears throat> if you take the right approach, a woman is perceived to be easier to talk to. That's just my opinion. I mean, again, I always took the approach um, before I ever even came to the bureaus that bad things happen to good people, and it's your job to find a way to help right. them solve their problem. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And when I got to the bureaus, that's their philosophy as well, as within the other two companies that I worked for, which is why I believe that I feel so strongly about the two other companies that I work for. Is uh -huh. the, the philosophy was the same. You know, it wasn't about pay your bill, pay your bill, pay your bill. It was, right. um, let's help them find a solution to the problem okay. that they're in. And so I think that was the biggest thing for me is I listened mm -hmm. and genuinely wanted to help them find a solution. Mm -hmm. and, and don't get me wrong, as a bill collector, of course, you know, you, you have your own bills that you have to pay, but mm -hmm. um, I learned so much about people in general being a bill collector. I mean, it, it taught me so many things about the different types of people that are out there. I mean, you do have people that just will never pay and want to pay their bills through. Right. I mean, I've honestly had a consumer tell me that I want to pay my bills through garnishment. Can't you just sue mm -hmm. me? Mm -hmm. And you're like, what? Mm -hmm. So I, I've had that happen, mm -hmm. and it's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. um, but then there's, again, the majority of the people don't choose to be in this situation. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. if you can help them find a solution, they're super thankful. I mean, you know not to say anything bad about the consumers in any way, but I've received teddy bears, I've received flowers, you know, I had to get my wisdom tooth pulled one time and one of the consumers felt so bad that I wasn't there when he called, or she called, I think it was a she that actually sent me a teddy bear, a get well teddy bear. It's like, wow, that's that's awesome. That's pretty good for someone you're collecting debt from. It is, right? Yeah. But again, you build a rapport with them and it happens more times than you would think mm -hmm. because any good organization that has good con um people that are on the phone, you build a rapport with the consumers. It's not just another phone call. It's, it's okay, let me call Mrs. Smith because right. she hasn't made her payment. Something's wrong. But how about, okay, so that's the role of a woman as a collector, but yes. how about the role of a woman in a call center as an employee or a manager? Mm -hmm. uh, it's a pretty rough and tumble environment. The language gets kind of tough and rough. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes the behavior can be uh, a little bit on edge. How have you seen that change over the years? And Well, again, I started in this industry in 1985. And so from 1985 to 1996, big changes. Mm -hmm. Lots of things were changing. However, if you handled yourself appropriately, you were fine. Um, it's kind of like, and, and quite frankly, it's with any industry, if you are just one of the guys, then that's how you will be treated. Uh -huh. But if you keep yourself above that okay. and... While you can be one of the guys, if you also be yourself mm -hmm. and not just try to fit in the mix and, and continue to try or continue to strive and achieve your goals, you have to have grit, you have to have perseverance, you have to have goals. Mm -hmm. That's how it worked for me. It's in any, any industry, you know, it wasn't just in, in the debt collection industry or debt sales industry, you know, it's always rough. If, anywhere that you go, if you're you got to stay a step above all of that. Right. Just have to. And keep your self-identity. Yes. Not blend in. That's and, exactly right. Right. And work hard. Lots yeah. of hard work. Okay. Lots of hard work. Sometimes you are expected to work harder. Uh -huh. And for whatever reason, it's not just because I was a woman. I, I refuse to accept that. Right. Um, so I just worked really hard. Plain and simple. Yeah. Had nothing to do with your femininity or... 
No. I'm not going to accept that that was what it was. I'm just going to accept that I had to work really hard. Uh-huh. Yes. Uh-huh. And that pays off. Well, yeah. And it's, you said you had a purpose and you had goals. Yep. And I guess the commissions were also motivating, right? They were. Oh, yeah. <laughs> don't get me wrong. Commissions yeah. were great. But again, I didn't want to be a bill collector forever. I wanted mm-hmm. to be um, more than that. And that's where the hard work came in. Because uh-huh. with any position, if you prove yourself, you'll get what you what what is due you. The harder you work, the more people are going to see the hard work and they're going to have the faith and believe in you. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk about RMA now. We've got 10 minutes remaining. Uh, what you, I think when you and I first talked, you said you've got a couple things that you want to accomplish there. Mm-hmm. I think one was a retirement of debt. Could you elaborate on that for our friends listening today? Well, and I, I, well, quite honestly, I don't know if it's something that I'll be able to accomplish or not, but it is something that RMAI is actively seeking information from its membership and pursuing it as an option. We're, we're, you know, we've looked at options of uh, potentially uh, having, I guess that's the right word, a 501c3. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we're looking at, um, we've sent out a survey trying to determine if our membership would even be interested in um, forgiving really old debt. Now, when I say really old, we don't truly have a definition of what really old is. We're mm-hmm. still at the very, very early stages of investigating it. You know, mm-hmm. it's really old out of statute. And if so, what state? You know, is it three years? Is, right. What is it? Right. So we're investigating all of it. But I do believe that, uh, in fact, I believe that we've even been told, I couldn't tell you, tell you who exactly said it, but that they, the regulators would find that favorable, that it would be a good thing. I don't know how that will play out and what exactly will become of it, but we are actively trying to find a way to make that work within our membership, yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you've also mentioned there are new rules coming out, I think you said in March, right? Well, so. that's what we're hoping. That's what we've been told. So yes, um, highly anticipated rules. And, you know... Do I have any idea how it's going to play out? Nope, don't have any idea. But one of the biggest goals of mine, of course, is that we work in unity with all of the associations that are within our industry. I mean, we all have to file responses with the CFPB once the rules come out. And it's my hope that we can all work together to do what's right for our industry and provide the proper responses to the CFPB so that we are all receiving the outcome that we're looking for or hoping for. It's been a long time coming, so we have to really work together to get what we're hoping for, yes. And if the rules come out and we don't get what we hope for, what is going to be your reaction to that? I don't know. Do do you have to just accept it? Can we push back? Can we try to... Well, the responses that we will send, I think, would be the pushback if if there's something. That's why we have to work together in unison with the different associations because, Mm -hmm. you know, what's important to us may not be as important to ACA or another association that's out there. And, And the goal is that we respond to the ones that are most important. They respond to the ones that are most important. And it's it's a unified approach, right. sending the same message to the regulators that we are, are these are the things that are important to us in our industry. Mm-hmm. Are there anything specifically, is there anything specifically that you hope to see in these rules? There's a long list, Michael Flock. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> a long list. Anything with resales? I know resales is a that's a big deal for middle market. It's a huge deal, but I don't know that that's going to be something that comes out in these rules. Right. I, I honestly 
believe that what we'll get some clarification on, hopeful clarification on, are things like, um, you know, TCPA, right. uh, uh, contacts, uh-huh. um, maybe some clarification in letter verbiage. Right. Um, I don't know that uh, I, I honestly don't see anything coming out about debt resale in okay. these rules. Okay. I would like that to happen, but I think they have so many other things on their plate that that's not mm-hmm. something they're going to jump into right now. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so how do you see the market then in the next year or two evolving? Uh, do you, th- are the bigger banks going to start selling again? Uh, how do you see prices change? Uh, well, let's see. Um, you know, it's been rumored, of course, that they're, the, the banks are coming back, the ones that aren't selling, the, that they're coming back. You know, when I talk to the banks, you know, there's been, well, we just finished converting to a new computer system. You know, we've got to get that behind us, and, and then we're coming back. Mm-hmm. Okay. There's been rumors that, well, when this bank comes back, then we'll come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but those banks are, you know, it's been a couple of years that they've been saying that. So the hope is that they'll come back. Right, right. I don't know. I really don't have the answer for them. Do you see any new opportunities in the year ahead? There's lots of opportunity. I mean, um, the online lenders are, um, the fintech, all of that, that's that's huge. And I'm still learning a lot about that. Our organization is still learning a lot about that. Um, it's all still very new uh, to us anyway. Many consumers are taking that approach because they have the ability to obtain the financing there. Um, they can't get the credit card from the bank or they can't get the bank loan, but they can get the payment or get the loan online from one okay. of the many lenders that are out there. So that is booming. And Is that going to cannibalize a lot of the credit card world? Is it going to can? I don't know. I mean, it it's a completely different market. Mm-hmm. Um, millennials seem to find it very right interesting. I don't know. I, I mean, I I I want to learn more about it before I can say is it going to cannibalize it because mm-hmm. you know you hear more and more about um, you know we're nearing a new recession. I don't know. right. You know. I, it's going to be interesting to see what this year brings mm-hmm. all the way around from mm-hmm. the tech world to online lending to credit cards to whether the banks are going to come back and the new rules. Right. It's going to be interesting. All right. So there are definitely new opportunities. How about new obstacles? Hmm. The rules are going to be obstacles okay. potentially. You right. know, we'll have to see what comes from that. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be any easier. They're going to be, who knows? You know, if, if I could, if I was a bug on a wall and, uh, out there on the, in the halls of CFPB, I would have a lot more information. I have no idea. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, it was sort of uh, unfortunate. Mick Mulvaney was selected as the guest speaker mm-hmm. at the RMA conference, and then he got uh, selected as the uh, interim chief of staff for President Trump. Yeah. And then Kathy Craninger uh, took his place, mm-hmm. and she apparently is more friendly to the industry than some of the past uh, – leadership but she's not willing to speak yet because she's just gotten to her job right. so i guess we just don't know that- we haven't met her yet um uh-huh. we do have a trip planned to dc the end of february and the hopes are that we'll be able to meet with her not sure if that's going to happen or not mm-hmm. um but we will be meeting with other regulators while we're there okay hopefully we'll get some sense as to what is coming mm-hmm. but we don't know yet right uh, are these new regulations keeping you up at night? The worries about them or the market? Does that keep you up at night? I'm way past that. No, you're way past that now. If if no, okay. it does not keep me up at night. I okay. there's no. What keeps you up at night? 
Um, I worry about my grandchildren. Your grandchildren, okay. <laughs> and oh, your my grandmother. Dog. Now that's congratulations. Yes, that's wonderful. I have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, uh-huh. and um, or my dog that might keep me up at night. Uh huh. But that's about it. Or my husband snoring. Another, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, well, Aristotle. Sure. And how is Aristotle? He is outstanding. Very. Thank you for asking. Yes. And just for our uh, listeners' benefit, Aristotle also works at the bureaus. He does. He's yeah. president of the He's company. He's president, right? Yes. And so how, that's an interesting dynamic: a husband and wife team leading the agency working for Michael Slotky. Yes. Uh, does that create also any uh, in- interesting office dynamics when you've got a husband and wife team? You know, no, not for us. It's perfect. You know, I, I can see him from my office and or he can see me, but our day-to-day interaction is minimal. We might have lunch together, but mm-hmm. we don't ride to work together. We take separate cars because that's our time. Right. He's listening to music and different than what I listen to, and it works out well. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But again, he's the brilliant mind behind a lot of those um, proprietary tools that we talked about a little while ago. Right. That was he was the brilliant one that started it all. Uh huh. And is your daughter still there? Or again, she's just does reporting once reporting. a month for okay. Bill. Yeah. Okay. So it's a family affair. Mm-hmm. It's a family affair. That's wonderful. It is. Yeah. It's amazing. Uh huh. What are you reading? What's on your nightstand? Huh. <laughs> <laughs> Not Do you have time much. to read? No, there's not much. Uh, I'm an HGTV person. Oh, okay. So before I go to bed at night, I have the TV on HGTV, and I wind up falling asleep to that, and my husband turns the TV off before he goes to sleep. But um, reading. I like to find time to read. I just don't do enough of it. Yeah, I read emails a lot. And so yeah. if I could find other books to read, I probably would miss out on some very important emails. I don't know. Sleep is vital for me. I really require my seven to eight hours. Anybody who knows me will tell you that. I go to bed at Mm -hmm. 8.30 and I'm up at 4.30 every day. Mm -hmm. So I'm in the office by 6.30. 6.30, that's a long day. It is a long day, but you know, that's my routine. It works for me. Mm -hmm. But you've got a purpose. Yes. And that makes it all worth it. It does. You know, and you believe in yourself and your family and that makes a difference. Yes. So, um... At the end of your tenure as president of RMA, what what do you want to be remembered for? Hmm, that's a good one. Um, we talked a moment ago about how we I want the associations to work together. That's very important to me. We all have a common goal. The reality is that we just need to work more together and not against. You know, um, we all have associ- we They're all associations. I get all that. Everybody's trying to do their own thing, right. but the industry is the industry. The same industry that I'm in is the same industry that you're in. You just right. do something different. Right. But we all have a goal right. to make it what make it best for us, uh-huh. and it, it, that's what I want to be remembered for: is that I was able to bring the people together in a different way. I mean, it's not like we don't work together; we do. But right. I just am trying to make that stronger. Uh-huh. So, Marianne Sangling, president of RMA, bringing the RMA, the Receivables Management Debt World together. And you and I spoke earlier about the power of community. It's something we believe in, too. Yes. And so that will differentiate, I hope, your administration. And it certainly is very useful to try to make the changes that not just ARMA, but ACA and others mm-hmm. want to see in this industry. Because I, for one, believe that the industry has suffered uh, an unfair reputation in the past. And I think what you're trying to do with these other associations will make a, make a huge difference. And uh, so... 
it's it's sort of like a family affair, you know. Yes. You've got community. Your yeah, community. You've got your daughter Aristotle and you at uh, and, and you've created a culture, and so has Michael. Yes, uh, definitely. At the bureaus. I know everybody. A lot of people love working there, and so at a higher level, a macro level, you're going to do the same thing for the association, for the industry of debt buying and collections, receivables, management. So it's my hope. Yes. Well, we wish you the best, Marion, and. Uh, just want to thank you for this very interesting discussion of your personal development and evolution from Hardee's to a vice president of information systems. You taught yourself that. That just unbelievable. Uh, with a major debt buyer, a major and successful master servicer, to now president of the leading industry, uh, you know, for the world in debt buying at RMA International. Thank you for your support. Thanks, Marianne. It's a pleasure. Thank you. We want to thank you for listening to this special episode of the Capital Club Radio Show with your host, Michael Flock, and his guests live from the 2019 RMA International Conference at the Ario Resort Hotel and Casino in Las Vegas, made possible again in part by Flock Specialty Finance, more than a transaction. For more info, visit flockfinance.com. To listen to this rebroadcast and other episodes, visit capitalclubradio.com. <laughs>